Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. No, I'd like to pack up. We could just sing it. Come on, are you ready to be encouraged today? Uh, today is going to be a great day. We are launching a brand new sermon series today, and it is a mini series. It's just two weeks. It's a mini series, like One Division or like Hawkeye or something like that. It's just just two weeks. It's not very long, um, but it's strong, and I think it's going to challenge you in a great way. It's going to encourage you in a great way. It's going to put life in order for you in a great way. And the series title is Return to Me. Return to me. And I will share with you the really heart of the series by sharing a quick story. My son and my other son and my wife, if you follow us on Instagram, well, they don't have Instagrams, but if you follow my wife on Instagram, you will know we are big Disney people. And uh, again, my wife is a big Disney person. And we all love her, so we go to Disney with her. And but my boys really do enjoy it. Um, Justice in particular has a very great imagination. Uh, and sometimes that imagination gets him into trouble. Kids with big imaginations get lost in Disney because they see things and their eyes get big and they follow those things and then they lose their parents. And so, and I used to say parents lose them, but no, no, I've experienced it. They lose us, okay? And uh, I remember one time he was getting caught up in something and actually multiple times, I'd have to keep looking at an eye, justice, keep up, justice, keep up, keep up. And what's crazy is he, he's not being malicious, he's just being curious. He loves the view and he loves everything that he sees. And he thinks that by going to it, he will get it. But what he doesn't understand is that everything he can ever want at Disney, he's only going to get if he's with me. The closer he gets to me, the more those things that he wants become available to him. Like, I know you think that that ride looks cool, but you can't get on that ride because you don't have the fast pass. I got the fast pass. So you're not going to be able to get on that ride if you get away from me. I know that cotton candy looks delicious, but you ain't got a job. So you're not going to be able to pay for that cotton candy if you don't come with me. And I know that lightsaber looks really cool, but you're not going to be able to buy that lightsaber with or without me, to be honest, because I'm not paying for that. $300 piece of plastic. So that's not happening. But honestly, your best shot is with me. And so if you stick with me, you can get those other things that you desire. This is what the series Return to Me is all about. It's the fact that God wants to bless you, but he can't bless you unless you're with him. If you connect with him, if you find him, if you put him first in your life, the Bible says, seek first, all other things shall be added unto you. And I think that God is in a lot of our lives sometimes. If you're new to church, new to Christianity, he's probably not in there at all. But the more dangerous result or fear that I have for you is that God is in your life, but he's not first in your life. That can be a challenge when you don't experience it. Let me illustrate this uh, another way. Um, Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. You know what God is saying? If you think life is bad with me, try living three days without me. So much of your life has been protected because of me, and you don't even know it. So much of the things you have in your life is because of my goodness and my blessings, and you don't even know it. And the only reason why you're alive today is because I am who I am. 
So don't get away from me, because if you get away from me, you get away from the things that I give you. And so this is what John Holt is going to help me here with this illustration. And so this, I'm good. I'm a good God. And so John Holt, I'm going to give you provision. This bag of 10 apples is for you. Okay. Now this bag of apples doesn't just symbolize produce, but it produce, but it symbolizes production. It symbolizes your income. It symbolizes your salary, your 401k, the returns on your investment. Not only will I give you provision, John Holt, but because I'm a good God, I will also give you protection. This is it. You are protected. We all got umbrellas in Florida. We, we pull them out even if it's not raining. They protect us from the sun or because we know it'll rain in five minutes if you just wait a little bit. And so I've got protection and I've got provision. Now here's the question, and this is what God says really. I do all of this for humanity, but how does humanity return my blessing? How do they return my blessing? Look what it says in the next verse. You're not destroyed because I'm good. Next verse. Go ahead. <laughs> but ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Now, here's what happens. Because you leave God, you also leave his covering. So now you got no more protection on your life. And you might think, well, that's okay because I already got from God what I need. Well, anybody who knows apples know that apples rot. In other words, you're going to spend your money. In other words, inflation is coming for your savings account. The gas prices are coming for your paycheck. Cars break down. Stock markets decline. Anything that you can get from God, if you start to worship that thing, it will run out eventually. This is a lesson in never pursuing the resource. Pursue the source. Because when you run out, you're going to have to come back to the source to get what you got in the beginning. That's why God says to humanity in verse 7 of chapter 3, return to me. And so John Hall, return. That's what that word means. You turned away, now turn back, return or repent. Turn back to me and I will return to you. God never went anywhere. When he says I will return to you, he says if you return to me, my provision returns to you. If you return to me, my protection returns to you. You want this, but it only get this if you come back to me, be with me. And then humanity responds, of course, how? But how are we to return to you? But you ask, how are we to return? And this next verse, you're not going to like it. But if you don't like it, don't get mad at me. Write a letter to the author. Because it's in the Bible. So don't send no emails to Journey Church. Send the email to bibleapp.com, okay? Ask him to change it if you don't like it. Ooh. Now at that point, 90% of online church just logged off. 50% of y'all are so embarrassed that you invited your friend to church on this Sunday of all days. But let me just put your fears to rest. This is not a series just on your finances. This is a series on your first. And your finances are just the illustrated object lesson that God uses to be the symbol of what is first in your life. God don't care about your money. He cares about your heart. He wants to know what's first in your life. That's why, and this is what tithing is, because I know we have a lot of people who are new to church. Tithing is, you can put the definition on the screen, the principle of returning. Because God gave it to you, you're giving it back. Returning to God the first 10% of your income through the local church. So if I give you 10 apples and I'm, I'm God and I, say, and I say, John Holt, now your tithe, if I gave you 10 apples would be one apple. And before John Holt bites any of those apples, before John Holt sets up a fruit stand 
and sells those apples. Before John Holt tries to trade these apples for other goods that he needs in his life, John Holt is going to give the Lord the first apps in your life. It's about who comes first in your life. Thank you, John Holt. Appreciate you. Give it up for John Holt. And so as I get into this message series, just two weeks, I want you to know we're not talking just about money. We're talking about your everything I have comes from you, God. And you are the Lord of my life. Now, if you're listening to this, listen, you're sitting in one of three seats today, and I need you to identify which seat you're in. First, you're new to church. You've never even heard about this idea of tithing, giving the Lord the first 10% of your income through the local church. First 10%. You never heard about that. If, if that's you, you're going to leave today. You're going to be excited. Others, you're faithful tithers. You've been tithing since you became a part of Journey Church, and you're going to leave here encouraged. Others, you don't believe in tithing. And it's taking everything in your power to not walk out of the building or shut off the online stream. And I just, here's my prayer for you, that at the end of this message, you would leave intrigued. Because I think you're going to hear something that you've never heard before. In fact, I'm going to just work with you today. Because people who tell me that they don't believe in tithing, usually first off are Christians. And they think they know just, they know just enough of the Bible to think that they know the whole Bible. And they, what they tell me, they go, you don't have to tithe, Pastor. It's not in the Bible. You don't have to. So I say, you know, I'm not going to fight that. I'm just going to roll with that. So here's a sentence. And if the church closes down, you can come work at my church. Is what he said. <laughs> Let's start. <laughs> you don't got to tithe. You don't have to, I don't believe that. But if you believe that, I want to start there. You don't have to tithe. Now, many of the people who tell me you don't have to tithe usually say that because of one of three reasons. They say, Pastor, you don't have to tithe because really tithing is not even about God. The church just wants my money. That's the first myth. The church just wants my money. And to that, let me just tell you right now, if you're new to our church, I went back into the archives and the last time I preached a whole sermon on tithing in Journey Church was 2019. Wow. It's been three years since I preached a whole sermon on tithing. You know why? Because I've had to preach about it since then. Because it was so good. <laughs> you know how I know it was good? Because our church has seen record generosity three years in a row. Every year our church becomes more generous every year than it has since then. I just want you to tell, I just want to tell you, the church is in a good place financially. We don't need your money. I know some of y'all are like, yeah, I bet it is good. And I bet the gooder it gets, the gooder your pockets get. Your boy drives a Ford Fusion. 2014. I got, my home is 2,100 square feet. Okay. I, I don't, I don't have a, a, a lot. I didn't get into ministry for, for money. In fact, the national of their budget. I just did the math last night before I came to preach to you because I wanted to stand in front of you with integrity. Journey Church operates our salaries, what we pay our staff, 39% of our operating income. That's the whole 13% less than the average church in America. Ain't nobody in here. We don't want this. And, oh, by the way, on top of that, we operate off of 90% of last year's income. So we never budget, like it's going to get better next year. We always budget with less so that we can give away more. We completely renovated this entire building as much as we could with the money that we had. Completely renovated a lot that you see. We wrote a $30,000 check to a local elementary school. And here's the best part. We did all of those things and your church has $0 in debt. Zero dollars in. We got no debt. I'm just trying to tell you, we don't need your money. I'm not preaching this series because of what I want from you. I'm preaching this series because of what I want for you. I want you to be blessed. Myth number two, the reason why I don't have to tithe, Pastor, is because you don't have to tithe because the church shouldn't talk about money. I disagree there as well. I think the church should talk about whatever you're stressed about. And let's be honest, you're stressed about money. You lose sleep over money. Your, your, your physical health is being wrecked because of money. Did you know that the second reason why couples divorce first is infidelity. The second reason across all reason for divorce is finances. Yeah. 
Also, I think we should talk about whatever the Bible talks about. And guess what? The Bible talks about your finances. Two-thirds of the parables that Jesus shared in the New Testament deal with handling money. One out of 10 verses in the Gospels deal directly with money. 2,300 faith and no one has any problem preaching about those things. Billy Graham, the famous evangelist, once said, if a person gets his attitude toward money straight, it will help straighten out almost every other area in his life. You get your money right, you get your life right. It's a truth. It's a truth. Here's the third myth that a lot of people tell me when it comes to tithing. Pastor, you don't have to tithe because tithing is an Old Testament law that is no longer applicable. And this is seriously wrong on two fronts. Number one, no one said it's a law. It's a principle. We have 10 laws in the Old Testament. I don't know if you remember them. They're called the Ten Commandments. Let me read them to you. You shall not have no other gods before me. You shall not make idols. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Remember the Sabbath day. Honor your father and your mother. Don't kill nobody. Don't sleep with nobody that ain't your spouse. Don't steal things that are not yours. Don't lie and don't want what other people have. You know what's not on but a successful believer in the scriptures, prayer was a principle and discipline that they activated in their life to see God's blessings in their life. And you will see the same thing about tithing in their life as well. One of some of the greatest heroes in the Bible were tithers. Abel, the first person who was accepted by God according to the word of God, was a tither. The father of our faith, Abraham, was a tither. Fifty years later, his grandson, Jacob, started tithing. It's the person that we've named the country in the Middle East after, Israel. Tithing is a principle like sowing and reaping. And when you do a principle, there are rewards for it. And when you don't do it, there are consequences of it. Malachi chapter 3, verse 9 through 10. Look what he says. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you're not tithing. You are robbing me. And by the way, it's, so he's saying bad things are happening in your life because you're not operating under this principle and you're robbing me. Again, you're not robbing him of money. God does not need your money. He's not in heaven trying to make payroll for the angels. And if you don't tithe, he has to fire an angel. And that's how demons are made. <laughs> when an angel gets fired. Get it? Does the angel fire, fire angel? That's funny. I don't care what you say. That's funny. <laughs> he doesn't need your money. You know what you're robbing him of? You're robbing him of the recognition. That he was the one who blessed you in the first place. And you know what else you're robbing him from? The opportunity to bless you even more. God wants to bless you even more. God wants to pour out blessings on your life, your finances, your relationships. And he says, take that from me. Next verse, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Every Christian theologian in the world will tell you that the storehouse is your local church. So, by the way, tithing happens then through the local church. So if you're watching online and this is your church, awesome, tithe here. If you watch online and you like my preaching, but you go to another church, you tithe at that church. Because that's what tithing is to your local church. It's not, and it's also not giving to a nonprofit. It's not giving to a charity. Listen, my wife and I, we give every month so that two young boys in Ethiopia can have a life. We do that every month. That's great. That's our generosity. That's our charity. But that's not our tithe. Y'all ought to be generous, but that should not come at the expense of your tithes so that there may be food in my house so that through, as the local church, we can bless the world. Look at what God says. Test me in this. The only place in the Bible where God says test me and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I don't know if that gets you excited. That gets me excited. And listen, and he calls it a test for two reasons. One, because it ain't easy. It is not easy. And two, he calls it a test because he's never failed it. 
I promise you, I've seen it in my life. My wife and I have been products of tithing, and we have seen God's blessing in our life regularly. Ask anybody in this church who is a tither. God has none of them would tell you that they are not blessed. It doesn't necessarily mean financially. This is not a preacher in front of you right now saying, if you give the church $10, God will send you $100. No, no, no. That's called prosperity gospel. I didn't say you'd be rich. I said you'd be blessed. I know rich people that take their life. They're cursed. God said you'll be blessed if you put me first in your life. You will be blessed. Remember, it's not about finances. It's about firsts. So it's not a law. It's a principle that has rewards and consequences. And I hate to tell you, but it's also in the New Testament. Jesus preached about tithing. Jesus preached about being first. Matthew 23, 23. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees. You hypocrites. This is Jesus. You give a tenth. That's a tithe. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin. And by the way, they were living in an agricultural society where agriculture was as good as currency. We don't live in that society no more. So don't be bringing me your corn. <laughs> right? Or your salad or nothing like that. Your peppers. We got no place to put it. We got no place to put it. That was income back in the day. He gave a tenth of that. And look what Jesus says. But you have neglected the more important matters of the law. Uh Uh-oh. So he's saying tithing is important, but it's not the most important. Here's the most important thing. The law. Justice. Mercy. Faithfulness. In other words, be nice to people. He's telling them you're tithing, but you're not being nice to other people. You're hurting other people. And you know you're not being good to people. And it's almost like you're tithing to pay for your sins. And let me tell you right now, tithing is not paying for your sins. Jesus already paid for your sins. Tithing is your response to the fact that Jesus paid for your sins that you can never pay back. That's what it is. You're not, I'm, not, I'm not doing this out of guilt. I'm doing this out of gratitude. Now look at what Jesus says. Watch out. He says, you should have practiced the latter. You should have been kind. You should have been just. You should have been merciful. You should have not been a jerk to people. You should have been just, just gracious and nice. But look what it says at the end. We missed this. Without neglecting the former boom, Jesus just said, and put me first. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 2, on the first day of every week, that's Sunday for us, each of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. That's a percentage. Not a set number, a set percentage. 10% the tithe. Saving it up so when I come, no collections will have to be made. We shouldn't have to take special offerings to build wells. You shouldn't have to take special offerings to pay for schools. If everybody at church missionaries pay for so many people's college tuitions, be able to give cars to single moms that can't afford to drive their kids to and from school or drive to and from work. The church is supposed to be so blessed that it can bless the world in response. And so for those of us who are reading that and you say, great job, Pastor JJ, but you didn't convince me, I still think you don't have the time. And that's you, awesome. I'm going to work with you today. I'm going to just assume that that is true for the sake of continuing on with this message. If you're sitting there and you really feel like you still don't have to do it, cool. But I'm going to give you some other things that are undeniable whether you believe in that or not. So here we go. Four, real quick. Number one, you might not have to tithe, but tithing puts God first in my life. And you, you can't deny it. Why, why can't I deny it? Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 23. The purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God first in your life. How'd I twist that? How'd I manipulate that scripture? What did I do? Did I read it backwards? Did I read it in another language? It says it right there, to put God first in your life. Now, this next sentence is going to be hurt and it's going to be painful, and it's, but it's just so true. It's just so true. If God is not first in your finances, he's not first in your life. Well, that sounds like, a, that sounds like manipulation. Nope. Again, Bible. 
really a revelation. Raise your hand if you got more than 10 pairs of shoes in your closet. Come on. Every, almost everybody here got 10 pairs of shoes. Somebody's like, well, I don't know. Maybe I, can't. I don't know how many, but it's more than 10. Um, you know what your favorite pair of shoes is? The most expensive. It's the one that you care for the most. It's the one that you don't always take out unless you got special company. You know, you're going out on that date. You don't clean the house in those shoes. You don't really care for the slides or the flip-flops. You care most about the things that you invest in. And God is saying, I want you to invest in me first because you put me first in your life. So let me show you exactly what that's like, okay? Let's say you work at Journey Youth and you start mowing lawns and you make $100 for mowing lawns. Back in my day, you made like $5. But, you know, inflation. So... You make $100 for mowing the lawn. It's a simple math problem here. There's no trick question, church. If I make $100 mowing the lawn, how much is my tithe? Awesome. But here's the real question. Which one is the tithe? The first one. The first one is the tithe. And that ought to be how it is because what's first is your priority. But a lot of us, when it comes to tithing and giving, we don't really do that first. We'll pay the mortgage first. But when we pay the mortgage first, what we're saying is my security comes first in my life. Then we'll put it off into our 401k because what we're really saying is my, my, uh, my future is first in my life. And then after that, we'll pay for the kids' school. Then we'll pay for the car gas. Then we'll pay for Netflix. And if you got Netflix, you got to have Hulu. And if you got Hulu, you got to have Disney Plus and, and HBO Max and Peacock. And then when it's all done, then we go, hey, God, and I'll give you, Lord, what's left. That's not a tithe. That's a tip. You can't give to the Lord based on how good he's been to you. Based on the, Some of us give to God based on the service. We're like, if he's been good that month, then I got you, God. But if it's been a tough month, Lord, I'm sorry. Some of us go to restaurants like that. Depending on the service determines the amount of your tip. And if that's you, you better take off your journey hat. I don't want them to know you go here. Because you ought to be generous. You ought to know before you walk in there, 18% is what that waitress gets and it's what that waiter gets. Now, here's what's crazy. We'll give the waiter and the waitress 18% without fighting, but we'll fight the Lord for 10. As if the waiter and the waitress is more responsible for the food on our table than the Lord in heaven. God is the one you ought to be thanking for the food you ate. Not Susan, the cook, but the Lord provided the cow. The Lord provided the chicken. The Lord provided the, the lettuce. The Lord provided the wisdom and the skill to cook for that chef. The Lord provided my money to be able to put it down. That's the tithe. And, and it's, so it's got to be first. First for first. And let me tell you something. If God is not first in your life, God cannot work in your life. I didn't say he won't work. I said he can't. Did you know there's some things God can't do? He can't do things that go contrary to his character. So, for example, God can't tempt you because his character is righteousness. It says it in the book of James. Amen. Righteous God can't tempt. You know that God can't lie because his character is faithfulness. So he got to be real careful whatever he says, whatever he says happens. Because he can't lie. He can't go back on it. He's God. He's faithful. You know that God can't change? Theologians call it immutability. You know why he can't change? Because if God could change, that, mean, that would mean that he could get better. And he's already perfect. So he can't change. God also doesn't think like you and me think. We think to figure things out and solve problems. There isn't a problem that God doesn't already know the answer to. God, you know what God has never said in the existence of God? You know what he's never said since God has always God? He's never said, you know what I just thought of? God has never said, it's way, you know what just came to me? Because the Bible says that his thoughts are higher than our thoughts and his ways are higher than our way. He don't think like we think. 
Here's another thing God can't be. Ready? God can't be second. It's called the preeminence of God. Because if God were to accept second place in your life, he would be admitting that there was something he created that was better than him. And he can't. So he won't. It's like the battery for your toy. I'm, you're not a child. For your remote. You know how there's a certain position, the plus and the minus? The battery's got the power, but it won't work because of the position. Some of y'all, the Bible's not working in your life because you got God in the wrong position. He don't work in second place. He don't work in third place. He don't work in fourth place. This only works with God in first place. Put God in first place. Put God in first place. So God, tithing puts God first. God wants to be first in your life. Listen, you might not have to tithe, but here's what you can't argue. Tithing keeps me involved in the vision of the church. You ought to love the church. You ought to get connected for the church. And some of us, our heart for the local church is waning a little bit because our investment in the local church is waning a little bit. 1 Corinthians chapter 29, David said this, Moreover, because I have set my affection on the house of God, that's church, I have given to the house of my God over and above, not just the tithe, above it. And I have prepared for the holy house my own special treasure of gold and silver. And then King David tells all the people, and I want you to start giving too, because I know that you will take care of what you care about. And you will only care about what you invest in. Have you ever noticed that you take better care of the things that you invest in? The very first car I ever got was a gift from my, my dad and my mom. It was a 2004 Mitsubishi Lancer. I know a lot of people can't say that, but I was gifted this car. My parents were so grateful for it. But because it was a gift, I didn't take good care of it. In the first week, I, got, I hit three things. I hit two trees and one gas station, <laughs> which is crazy because none of those move. <laughs> I was just reckless. It was so bad that when it came time for me to trade it in, I went to the dealership. I said, I'd like to trade in my car and buy a new one. You know what the dealer told me? No, thank you. I said, what you mean? I mean, there's metal in there. It got to be worth at least something. I just need like $20. I'll put that towards the next car. They said, no, thank you. It was in such bad condition, they wouldn't even take a trade in. We literally, Pastor Liz and I literally had to give that car away. And then we had to pay the person who took it away. <laughs> we gave it away. And then I buy a new car. It's that Ford Fusion I was telling you about. I buy the Ford Fusion and we drive from the dealership to my house and then Pastor Liz gets out of the car and she heads to the home and she leaves her makeup in my front seat. And I go, you know, when it's hot in Florida, the makeup can melt. So I go up to her and I go, excuse me, ma'am. Yes, excuse me. I didn't snap. I would never snap. But excuse me, miss ma'am, um, you left some makeup in my car, my brand new car. Uh, I think it's going to spoil. It's going to mess up my car. Uh, can you please do better and uh, remove your trash from my car when you leave? She said, I'm so sorry. I just thought you were going to take care of this one the same way you took care of the last one. Which I had never realized it before. The reason why I cared more about this one than I cared about that one, not, it wasn't because this car could do something that the other car didn't. But because I invested in this car, I didn't invest in that one. And that car stopped working because I stopped taking care of it. Hear me, the church works. But there comes a time in your Christian journey, if you've been coming to church for a long time, when you first get started, you're super invested. You're on a team, you're on a small group, you're tithing. But if you're not careful over time, because things don't always work out, because life's not perfect, things start to break down. You go, you know what, I think I'm going to pull away a little bit from church. I'm going to leave this group, I'm going to stop serving, I'm going to stop tithing. And then all of a sudden, church stops working. But it doesn't stop working because church is broke. It stopped working because you stopped working it. You cannot expect to make a withdrawal from something you haven't. I never go to the bank and ask for a withdrawal when I haven't deposited. Wow. So in order to get a return on your investment here at church, you got to invest 
in your church. And I want you to know, I love investing in my church because I love the local church. I believe in the local church. I raise my kids in the local church. I find my friends in the local church. If you're single, you can find your spouse in the local church. And if you do, then you will get married in the local church. We take communion in the local church. Sometimes we fight in the local church, but that doesn't keep me from fighting for the local church because I believe what the local church is fighting for. I believe that I serve in my church. And if you die, we will bury you in your church. I believe in the local church is church. So if you want to tithe and you're thinking, I want to get connected to my local church, how do I start? Two ways. Number one, you can take the 90-day tithing challenge. If you're already a tither, I don't even need you to move. I don't even need you to move your head. But if you've never tithed before or you're contemplating taking this step of faith, in the front seat behind you, in a little back thing, there's a little card. It's a 90-day tithe challenge. It's not a gimmick. It's based on Malachi 3 that says this. Test me in this. If you tithe for 90 days, here's what we decided to do at church, and you do not see God's blessing, you do not see the windows of heaven open. Listen, not a lot of churches would do this. I just believe so much in the Word of God. If at the end of 90 days you think God has not blessed you and there's no test required, we're not going to be like, did you get sick in the last 90 days? Did your car roll a tire in the last? No. If for whatever reason you think you're not blessed, we're going to return to you every dime you gave us. I'm that confident in the blessings of God. You can sign up for it by filling out the card. You can drop it in the back or you can go to journeyall.com forward slash return. Return because we're returning it to him. We're returning to him. It's not about money again. It's about being first, God putting first in your life. And also make it automatic. Make it automatic. You know what I have on recurring giving? My mortgage. Because I'm going to pay that no matter what. You know what I got on recurring giving? My water bill. I don't taste the water if it's warm and cold, then I decide to pay. It's recurring. It's automatic. My phone bill is on automatic because the things in my life I can't live without, I can't risk not putting first. When God is like that in your life, automate him. Here's the second, third, third thing important. You might agree you don't have to tithe, but listen, whether you believe it or not, this is for sure. Tithing gives me access to supernatural blessing. You can deny it all you want, but there's no denying this if you look at the scripture. Malachi 3.10, this is why we're encouraging you to take the tithing challenge. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing on you that there will not be enough room to store it. Listen, the word blessing has been watered down by our sneezes. Someone sneezes, what do we say? God bless you. But God's blessing is way bigger than spiritual Kleenex. You have no idea what God's blessing is on your life. Let me tell you, this is how important God's blessing is and how you want it. Proverbs 10, 22, the Lord's blessing is our greatest wealth. Get that? You got everything. All our works add nothing to it. Two revelations in this. Number one, it's the Lord's blessing, not your and my blessing. In other words, you can't just ask the Lord for whatever you want and his blessing is giving it to you because there's some things you're asking for that you think are a blessing, but if he gave you, it'd be a curse. So when you pray the Lord's blessing, what you're really saying is, I submit to receiving everything you want from me. And if you don't want it from me, I don't want it from me. Isn't that good? The Lord's blessing, you're really submitting to his sovereignty. Second, it says, and all our works add nothing to it. All our works add nothing to it. In other words, if it's going to make it happen, you can't buy a blessing You can't build a blessing. You can't bake a blessing. If you can make it happen on your own, it's not a blessing. You understand this if you understand the the geography of Israel. 
Israel wasn't placed in the world like Egypt was. Egypt was placed along the Nile River, which means that Egypt got their water from earth. Are you with me? Say, I'm with you. Because the river, the river's on earth. I just to make sure we're tracking. Okay. So everything they needed came from earth. God moves them into Palestine. Palestine doesn't have a lot of clean water rivers. So Palestine gets their water from a different source. It doesn't get it from the river. It gets it from the rain. Look up to be dependent. So they can be dependent on him. Because blessings are not found on earth. Blessings come down. Blessings come down like the rain comes down. That's why Malachi says, pour out. Blessings come down. And a good thing about a blessing coming down, a good thing about a blessing not being on earth, is that if I didn't get my blessing from earth, earth can't take away my blessing. So, so the reason why I have a peace that surpasses all understanding, the reason why I can step into a, a school and not be afraid about getting shot up or, or working a church or, is because I've got a peace that doesn't come from earth. And so because it doesn't come from earth, there's nothing that can happen on earth that can take away the blessing that comes from heaven. Because my peace comes down. <laughs> My peace comes from heaven. We had a young girl at our church who got diagnosed with cancer recently. You know what she told the doctor? You know what she told her boyfriend? You know what she told her leaders when the doctor said you had cancer? She said, I was afraid. I was nervous. I was scared. She said, but for some reason, I had peace. Because your peace does not come from a doctor, so a doctor can't take it away. Your peace comes from heaven, so heaven gave it. Only heaven can give it away. I got peace. It came from heaven. When people look at Journey Church and they see what God has done, I tell them, don't look at me. Yeah, come on. I'm not a good speaker. Don't look at me. I'm not a good leader. If God were to leave me, don't look at our leaders. They're not great leaders. They're not great singers. No offense, worship team. No offense, leaders. <laughs> Everything we have comes from God. If I've got to, if you look at me and you go, well, I don't know, Pastor JJ, you look like a, a pretty good speaker. Let the Lord take his spirit off my life for five minutes. I won't be able to put together a sentence. Because if there's any gift that I got, I got that gift from heaven. I don't look at my gift and be like, look at my gift, because I know where the gift came from. I know that 2,000 years ago, the Spirit of God came on earth, and now the Holy Spirit is the gift that we all got that allows us to operate in ministry. This ain't because of me. This is because of the Holy Spirit living inside of imperfect and broken human beings doing ministry. Some of y'all looking for your spouse. <laughs> and you're looking around and you're looking around. But a godly man and a godly woman doesn't come just lying around. A godly man and a godly woman, a godly spouse. A godly spouse comes down. They come down. They come down. They come down. Hey, can you stand up real quick? I just need them to see you if they haven't seen you. Look at this woman. And, okay, now look at me. Come on now. Come sit down real quick. When, 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 when she, I heard the story about how, how she saw me for the first time, I said, what, what was it about me that made you attracted to me? It was at a church event. And she was like, she, she said, I don't know, there's just something about you. Which sounds like a compliment, but it's really a diss. Because she didn't say, oh, well, you know, it was just the way your biceps were ripping through the sleeves. 
She didn't say, oh, it was your 2004 Mitsubishi Lancer that really convinced me that you were rolling deep, that you had money, that you had pockets, and you came from a rich family. She said, there's something about you. But that's okay. I'll take it because you know what she's saying? That there was a blessing on my life. I thank the Lord because there was other guys in that room that day, but the Lord put shade on every single one of them and he put his light right on my face. And the only reason I got past the list is because I'm blessed. I'm reminded every day I got a blessing. I got a blessing. I got a blessing. Blessings come down. If you could do it in your own ability, it's not a blessing. But the things that God wants to do in your life are things that you can't even think or imagine because you can never do it by yourself. And he wants to do it in your life if you put him first. Put him first. Put him first. Lastly, you don't have to tithe, but read Exodus 13. Exodus 13, 1 through 12. You shall set apart to the Lord all that, what's that word? First opens the womb. All the, what's that word? Firstborn of your animals that are male shall be the Lord's. Every, what? Firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. And if you will not redeem it, you shall break its neck. Every firstborn of a man among your sons you shall redeem. This sounds like a whole lot of mess right now, but let me bring clarity. The Lord's not talking about animals. He don't care about animals. Just like he don't care about your money. This isn't about money or animals. This is about your heart. And the Lord is saying, when a donkey is born, a lamb needs to die for the donkey. Why? Because the donkey is born an unclean animal. Don't ask. It's just unclean. It's just unclean. It's, it's for the illustrations. He could have picked any animal. The donkey's unclean. The lamb, wool, pure, not dirty, symbolizes clean. The Bible says, if you want the donkey to live, you got to kill the lamb because God is just. So if an unclean animal is to live, then the clean animal has to die so that the unclean animal can live. Are you tracking me? Say, I'm tracking you. Now, you and I, when we were born, here's the question, were we born unclean or clean? Unclean. How dare you call me unclean? You weren't there when I was born. Listen, you know how I know you were unclean? Because you don't have to teach kids to lie. You don't have to teach kids to cheat. You don't have to teach kids to steal. You don't have to teach kids to bite their classmates. They do it because children are evil. They just need to get saved. Every one of them. And you and I were that too. We were born with the instinct to sin. We were born unclean. So now if we are going to be redeemed, if we are going to be saved as an unclean, what has to happen? What has to die so that we can be saved? The second clean? Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn. Wow, that's so good. He was the first lamb. Wow. Now, now this verse, you've heard it before, but it's going to hit you like it never hit you before. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave not just his only son, the first. Wow. So that whoever believes in him should not die, but live forever. Are you ready? Listen to me. You were unclean. God sacrificed his first so that you could have life. This is going to blow your mind. Jesus was God's tithe. Jesus was God's tithe. He gave up his first for you. And for me, so this is where I end the message. You don't have to tithe. 
But Jesus didn't have to die for you either. What is even all this have to thing about? It's not about have to. It's about being so moved by the sacrifice of the lamb so that you and me can have life that it's just our only response is to give it back. I'm so grateful. Exodus chapter 13, verse 14. The story continues. In days to come, when your son asks, what does this mean? I think that's funny. Because what he's saying is one day you're going to be a farmer. And one day you're going to just break the neck of a lamb when the donkey is born. And your son is going to be there. He's going to be like, I got questions. Why did you just kill that poor little lamb? We were going to go play with that lamb. Why did you kill that lamb? I got questions. I mean, why do we keep killing one out of every ten? <laughs> I got questions. The father says, what does this mean? With a mighty hand, the father responds to his child, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. When Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, the Lord killed the firstborn of both people and animals in Egypt. And that is why I sacrifice to the Lord the first. Because he sacrificed the first for me. I remember the first time I taught justice and Zane about tithing, we were reading the Bible and reading a Spider-Man comic. And Spider-Man was ministering to me. So I, I said, bro, so I went to the room and I grabbed my, my tithe check for that month. Now keep in mind, this is a kid who makes a dollar for every dish, he, you know, for doing the dishes and stuff like that. So I showed him my tithe check, his eyes were blown. He was like, what is that? I was like, that's a, that's a check I give every month, first of the month to the church. He said, why? And this verse hit me in the face. So I took the Spider-Man comic and I showed him all the villains because it was the episode on the, the Sinister Six. So it had Doc Ock and it had Venom and Green Goblin. And I said, what you need to know, you need to know something about daddy and mommy. He said, what? Daddy and mommy weren't always Christians. Daddy and mommy weren't always good people. Daddy and mommy, because I looked at the book, it was the best relation. I said, we used to be villains. We used to be bad guys. His eyes got real big. I told him some of the stuff that daddy used to do when he was younger, some of the addictions daddy had. Mommy shared some of the addictions that mommy had. Zane, mommy and daddy used to be slaves. But one day, Jesus gave up his life so that we could be free. And today, Bobby, mommy and daddy are able to be mom and dad free of guilt and shame, free of addiction and bondage, all because of the sacrifice. That is why we tithe. They have not missed a tithe check since. It's not big, but I bet it blesses the Lord. The little 10 cents, the little 25 cents, it blesses the Lord. Teaching them to put God first is the biggest thing that they could do. And it's what I want to teach you to do in your life. So listen to me really quickly. Don't leave. If, if you're in the room today and you're already a believer and you already tithe, amen. This wasn't about money. The question is, has God slipped out of first place in your life? Oh, I already tied, Pastor. Awesome. It was never about money. Has he become second, third, fourth, or fifth? How far down have you replaced him with a new girlfriend, boyfriend? Have you replaced him with a new job? Have you replaced him with the baby? Have you replaced him with the, with the, with the NBA finals? Have you, like, what? Where is he? Where is he? Because he needs to be first. If you've never tied before, this is your opportunity. It's not about money. Take that tithing challenge. Fill out that card. Go to the website, forward slash return. Test God and let him bless you. But if you're in this room and you've never made a decision to follow God, this is what this was about. Jesus is God's tithe for you. Don't reject that gift. Receive it.
receive eternal life and what you're doing in our life. All over this room, there are people, young men and young women, older men and older women, who for whatever reason in their life, you've, you're just not in first place. For some of them, you never were. For some of them, you used to be when they were younger, but you slipped down the, the, the priority list. Today, we put you back on the throne of our lives. That's you and you're in this room and you wanna give Jesus first place in your life once again because of everything he's done for you and all that he sacrificed. When I say three, shoot your right hand up to the sky. I'm ready to put God first all over this room. One, raise that right hand if that's you. I'm ready to put God first. Two, one, two, three. Shoot your right hand up high right now, right now, right now. Hands up, hands up. I see it all over the building. 10, 12, 13 hands. Repeat this prayer after me, whether you raise your hand or not. Father God, today I decide to put you first in my life. Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice. I love you and I give you everything. You are number one, not four, not three, not two, but one. Today I declare you're one in my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Come on. We hope you've enjoyed this message and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. Please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.